You're listening to the DSBC podcast. For more information, visit us at dsbc.church. Hey, church family, this is Pastor Caleb. I wanted to give a brief introduction to this podcast episode. Uh, In this episode, you're going to be listening to part one of an at-the-table gathering that we did with Rabbi Jeremy Schneider. Uh, Rabbi Schneider shared uh, his perspective on Judaism, how it's unique from Christianity, uh, his own tradition in Reformed Judaism. He teases out some of the differences between the different forms of Judaism as it's practiced in modern day. And he also shares just a little bit about how uh, he, as a rabbi, thinks about the Bible. It may be different than how uh, many evangelicals think about the Bible. Uh, rabbi Jeremy Schneider and I have known each other for uh, years now. He's a good friend. Uh, he's a lot of fun. And I believe that you will benefit greatly uh, from listening to this podcast. Uh, One note is that the audio quality is a little bit rough. This was recorded in a group setting, and so uh, we did the best that we could to preserve it for you. And it may be that you're not able to hear some of the folks talking on the other side of the room, uh, but uh, Rabbi Schneider or I try to recapitulate their questions best as possible. So hope that you are blessed by uh, engaging in this podcast. Evangelical to Mormon distance? Um. Um, like so the question, what's the relation to Chabad to, so I guess it's important to clarify that, um, I represent, um, reform Judaism. So there's, uh, branches. If Judaism were a stream, um, then the left side of the stream would be, um, liberal, uh, progressive would be reform Jews, um, the opposite of liberal or reform would be orthodox. And in the middle is conservative Judaism. Um, so that's easy to sort of think of it as a, the three, four, you know, the three pronged fork of left, middle, and right. Reform, conservative, and orthodox. Now, when we look at orthodoxy and you zoom in, you're going to have those who are ultra orthodox right of right, and then you're going to have uh, uh, modern orthodoxy, the left of the right. If, but we're still in the right, right? We're still over here. Um, and then you're going to have Chabad, which is its own um, over there on the far right. So um, very, very, very different than what I am and what I represent and what I'm talking about tonight. Did that, did that make sense? Liberal form? So up until um, the 1800s, there, and I'm making vast generalizations for the sake of the conversation, there was only Judaism. Up until, very, up until in Jewish history, there was just Judaism. And it was in, during the Enlightenment in Europe, when all faith traditions were going through the struggle, the question of, is there a difference between... Um, science and religion, and is it a, you know, whereas the Bible used to be the source of all answers, the scientific revolution and its, uh, you know, impact on Christianity and Judaism, etc., is what birthed Reform Judaism, um, literally. That's where Reform Judaism came out of, the idea that... Um, um, you know, uh, how would you say this in one foot? Um, um, 
the idea that uh, you can have a faith and science at the same time. Um, and uh, it's an easy one sentence. We could break that down if you wanted. And so as a response to Reformed Judaism being born, orthodoxy was born. And the word orthodox Judaism, the word orthodox literally means the correct way. It's Latin for the correct way. So they responded to the pendulum swinging too far left. So the pendulum swung to the right. And then about 100 years later, the pendulum swung to the middle. And there was an answer that was the middle, conservative. That's very broad strokes, and I'm sure we could do a whole collegiate class on the breakdown of what that all was, but that's, uh, I just want to be clear that I'm speaking for Reform Judaism um, in the 21st century here. Cool. Yeah, thanks. So uh, I've got, uh, there's a cell phone number listed on the front page of your document. If you want to text in questions, uh, I'll have those and, uh, be, and hopefully get to most, if not all of them. Um, so you guys can text those in. They'll be anonymous. Um, like I won't say your name unless I mean, you're glad to, uh, free to ask follow-up questions. Um, but uh, I really appreciate uh, Rabbi Schneider being here. Rabbi, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, where you serve and what, like, what Judaism is? <laughs> Brief, um, yes. Briefly. Uh, so, uh, again, uh, thank you for inviting me to be here with you, and um, thank you for the ability and the desire to want to engage and listen and ask questions. Um, I am, my name is Jeremy Schneider. I'm the rabbi of Temple Kol Ami, which is a synagogue around the corner at 64th Street and Greenway. We're right behind the fries there, um, and I've, this is my 12th year um, with my synagogue. And uh, as I mentioned before, we're a reform synagogue. And um, what is the next question? What is Judaism or what is... Yeah. Uh, so just as short as that answer, um, what is Judaism? Um, uh, I sometimes distill it down to um, the lens in my glasses. That's uh, the way I see the world. I could go into insert eyeglass store, lens crafters, there are lots of glasses on the wall, frames. Um, they all technically, I could wear any of them, right? But these happens to be the pair that I choose to wear. And so I see the world through a Jewish lens and, um, and the values and the ethics uh, of, of this uh, faith. Um, that's really, I mean, in one short answer. I, I think that I like that analogy because it implies that um, the other faith traditions are obvious if it wasn't clear. The other faith traditions are the other glasses and that I could put those on and I'm sure they work just as well. Um, I just, I choose, whereas you may have heard some people refer to Jews as the chosen people. Um, I, we could unpack that if you'd like. I would dismiss that. Um, we as Jews do not say that. That's usually a Christian connotation put on us. Um, I would consider, I teach, my sermons go more to we are the choosing people, not the chosen people. Choosing because we're choosing to do Jewish. And that's an important statement. We don't believe in Judaism, we act Jewishly. Um, Judaism 
does not have any dogma. There is no belief statement like there is in Christianity. Um, and so Judaism distilled on one foot and, and in a concise answer is a way of life, a way of being, a way of doing, excuse me, a way of doing. Um, and uh, that's, that's how I teach it. That's good. So what are some of the characteristics of Judaism? Like, that's a good question. Um, in relation to Christianity? Sure. Or um, I, uh, I put together, because I've had this conversation, I grew up in, um, outside of Houston, Texas. Um, you may ask, what would a Jew do in Texas? That's a great question. Um, my parents were New Yorkers. God told them to move to the Holy Land, and they moved to Texas. So uh, if any Texan would appreciate that joke. Uh, thank you. See, it's, uh, if you Texans, we get it. Um, so, uh, uh, but the truth was that my parents did not want to raise children in New York. And to a New Yorker, Texas is the furthest place in the world. So um, it's just way out of bounds. And uh, I did indeed grow up graduate from a high school of 3,000 where there are only three Jews in the entire school. So I have my entire life been in a position of teaching my faith, of explaining, um, and uh, that led me to unexpectedly going into seminary and becoming a rabbi because I say unexpectedly, I didn't know to the last minute that I was in this trajectory. Um, I know this isn't what you asked, but I'm answering. Um, I went to the University of Texas at Austin, undergrad, and I was in the uh, College of Education. I was going to be a school teacher. I love teaching. And it really comes back to what I believe to be interfaith or multi-faith dialogue that I just naturally grew up in, being a Jew in a predominantly Christian area. Um, when junior year, spring semester, they said, it's time to place you in the Austin School District next fall. Do you want to be a math teacher? Do you want to be a science teacher, a PE? I, that's when it really hit me that I wanted to be a Jewish teacher. And the word Jewish teacher in Hebrew is rabbi. And the word rabbi translated back to English, it means my teacher. So a rav is a teacher. My, a rabbi is, a, is what you would call someone as, hey, my teacher. You know. So I became a rabbi. Um, and, um, and I've been teaching my whole life in that regard. So that was a long segue to say, this conversation I've enjoyed having for many, many years. And so I put together a top 10 list of things um, that uh, I'd love to share with you that, that I think um, we could, you could, if you have questions to unpack something, you can text it. Um, but uh, the top, ter top 10 things about Judaism I love to share with evangelicals in particular. Um, number one, um, we... Uh, we see ourselves as partnering with God. It's, I mean, just already the first verb. We partner with God to do the work of repair. We see that as our mission. Right? We say when, when someone's uh, uh, on a deathbed or, you know, our, what is the meaning of life, perhaps? Uh, the answer is that you have done your best to help make the world a better place than you found it. One of the values, one of the statements would be, it's not my job to solve all the world's problems, but it is my job to try. Right? Does that make sense? Uh, and that's how, that's really what, that's the, if there was such a thing as a Jewish motto, that's number one. Uh, number two, which I referred to earlier, is that um, we're, not, we're not a faith with a dogmist, a dogmatic statement. Um, 
we do Judaism, we don't believe Judaism. Um, so we are a theology of deeds. And um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. And number three, those deeds take precedent over creeds. Same thing, I'm I, I sort of saying the same thing. In other words, there are no belief statements. Um, we don't, you know, I, I, my synagogue is a group of families that do Jewish differently in their own homes. There is not one way to do Jewish. It, we're not all the same. Um, and, um, you know, I think one of the ways that unites Christians, um, you know, is, is a belief statement, right? The belief in Jesus uh, as Lord and Savior. Well, that, that unifies Christians in one simple way. For Jews, there is no statement that I can say that's going to unify Jews. Um, we, tape, we take a leap of action, whereas I hear a lot about the leap of faith. Ours is more of a leap of action. Um, number four, and I get this, this is a product of growing up in Texas and realizing what it's like to grow up in a non-Jewish area, is we Jews, if you have neighbors or interact with Jews, we don't do God talk the way you guys do. You guys are great at it. You use it all the time. Jews don't have um, a very, we're not very good um, uh, at talking about God because our, as I, I, going back to point one, two, and three, if it's a faith of doing, not a faith of believing, then we don't spend as much time talking about our relationship with God. We've been given our marching orders, helping to repair the world, help to make the world a better place. The, the part, uh, the God part is uh, secondary. And therefore, Jews don't talk about, don't, don't, um, it doesn't come up the way that I find my Christian colleagues and Christian friends talk about God. And so that's, um, it's something that's very interesting, I've noticed, between Jews and Christians and having a hard time relating to each other. Um, number five, many non-Jews uh, take offense when Jews say Jesus has no theological standing uh, in our faith. Right? That, I'm not stating what you don't already know. Jesus, um, for us in our faith tradition, um, is not any more Jewish or uh, a child of God than we all are. I mean, it may be blasphemous to say in here, but in the sense that we believe that Jesus was a historical figure, he lived, he was a rabbi, like the word I just used, he was a teacher, um, but uh, for us, um, no more than, than any relationship between you and I and God. Um, do you want to clarify that? Yep. No clarification. Okay. Which brings up one of the things I was curious about, because with all the new technology and gigs uh, and things like that, so do Jews, are they still looking for the Messiah? Great question. Or is that kind of something that's... Right. So I want to clarify yet again um, that I'm speaking of liberal, progressive, reform Judaism, and that on the other end of the spectrum... If there was a Chabad rabbi or an ultra-Orthodox rabbi, this top ten list would be very different. Um, and um, the roles of some of those uh, eschatological, bigger-than-us questions would have very different answers. 
Um, but the short answer to your question um, is doing the work together, whether it's as Jews partnering together or um, working with non-Jews and making our multi-faith and helping to make the world a place, and the Messiah comes, we get to both together run out and say, so who is right? You know, <laughs> are you, you here before? for, have you been here before? <laughs> or is this your first time? But either way, we're all in a better place because the Messiah has come or come back. So either way, it's a win. So that's why we would go back to insert number one, two, three, the work needs to be done. And, the, and, and for the Messiah to come back, come, uh, it has to be done through action of helping to make the world a better place. So you see what I'm saying that it's, yeah. Um, okay, that's great. Thank you for letting me clarify. Um, um, suffering, vicarious suffering and atonement. Um, that concept um, is not part of mainstream Jewish thinking. Um, every individual Jew is born with their own personal responsibility uh, for misdeeds. Um, Jews cannot and do not seek salvation through uh, the intervention of others or for someone who may have suffered for them. We do not, <clears throat> we do not inherit sin, Jews believe. Um, we do, um, nor do we believe that we're born with uh, tainted, or with a need to be redeemed. The blessing that we make every morning as part of our liturgy is thank you that today is a brand new start, a fresh start. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow hasn't happened yet. The only thing that I can control is today and period. And that's, that's uh, and so, I mean, that, you can unpack that statement alone and get a whole, I mean, that is the faith tradition for Jews is, is about what can I do today, period. Um, and we, um, I'm doing the visual of the yin and yang um, we, we have a Hebrew words that um, inside of each of us is the inclination to do good and the inclination to do evil. And a good day is when you've listened or acted on the good inclination more than the, neg the bad inclination. Notice that I said more than, not absolutely. We're human beings. We're by definition imperfect. We make mistakes. It's how you fix those mistakes, how you repair that. Excuse me. Are you more often than not doing it right than wrong? That's how you measure um, how one's doing, if you will. So you don't believe you're born into sin? Then? Nope. Okay. Fresh start. No. Yeah, it's so, uh, yeah. If you do screw up, yep. How do you atone for, or how do you like maybe ask for forgiveness? Yep. Things like that. So how do you then? Or you just start a fresh day and say, okay. So that's a great, that's a great question. Um, how do we make, so it, the categories of um, sin and what you've done, how you've sinned, can be categorized into sin against yourself, right? Sins against you and somebody else. And, uh, and sort of think of it as concentric circles. It's, it has to do with you and yourself. You, next circle out would be you and the people in your immediate family around you. Next circle out, you, because it's always about you, right? In, in Judaism, it's about each individual person's uh, approach to life. And then the furthest concentric circle out would be between you and God. And we have a holiday. Um, so each day you're supposed to be 
reconciling those transactions. But annually, we also have a holiday uh, called Yom Kippur, where we make um, uh, inventory on our actions of the past year and and um, make atonement with those atone with those that we have wronged, um, as well as I think a lot of people go and they ask God for forgiveness and they go and ask their friends or neighbors or whomever for forgiveness. And the one thing they don't ever, the hardest person to forgive is yourself. So then you're giving yourself to become at-one-ment, atonement, I think is really important. And so those three categories is, that's done on a daily basis, that's done on a weekly basis, that's done on an annual basis. Um, did that answer that question? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, um, you segue right into my next one. Number seven is that forgiveness and repentance, as I just said, are personally achieved. There's uh, three things that we do. One is repentance, which is acknowledgement of our mistake. Prayer, which is the Hebrew word. Uh, you don't need to know what the Hebrew word is, but when you take that Hebrew word for prayer and translate it back to English, it means to judge oneself. So true prayer within Judaism is actually really doing an internal look and being honest with oneself. And, and, um, and so I think in Jews, we'd, you know, I have a lot of pithy statements here, but Jews would say we, we pray by study and uh, we listen. Um, uh, how did that pithy statement go? We, um, I just went blank on it. We pray... We study. Those are my two, and I can't remember which one it goes. Um, that's my train of thought. We pray to uh, listen, and we read to hear. No, all right. Well, let's cut that. I'm going to really come memorable. back. I'm going to come back Very to that memorable. one. I went, um, um, but the uh, so repentance, prayer, and acts of changing the behavior. Right. So the question is, how do you know when you've made, when you fixed a mistake? How do you know when you've atoned for it? And the answer is when you presented with the same situation and you did it differently. That's how you know you've truly atoned correctly. Number eight, um, this has come up a lot recently. I've been doing this for years, and this has been no more um, relevant than ever before. This has become more relevant than ever before. And it's the expression in an attempt to be inclusive. We in America love to call ourselves a Judeo-Christian society. That is a, um, Jews do not say this. Christians say this. Um, even if Judeo was Judaic um, and not merely a modifier for Christians, um, it would still be, it would still not be a correct designation for who we are. In other words, for Jews, we're not a prototype uh, that or the roots of someone else by which the religion has been improved in some way. Um, this is the perfect example when in dialogue and working with Jews, just referring to the Bible as the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jews in our places of worship and among Jews would never call the Old Testament old because it's quite current. It's our current Bible. So the word Old Testament is referring to what you guys had. We now have something new. And 
that's great for you, yay you, but ours is still, it's, it's, it's not old, and it's not, we don't, since we, that's that tradition, we don't have a New Testament in our tradition, we don't call it the Old Testament either. So that's an example of, of what it's like to live in what some call a Judeo-Christian society is not really, that's not a, that's, that's, um, it's not the correct way to put it. Another example would be on the uh, calendar that is the year 2022. We all in agreement that it's the year 2022, but that's on the calendar of counting how many years since Jesus, right? Started from zero. And then all, so we often use 2022 AD or 500 BC. Those AD and BC are Latin for after his life or after death and before life, right? So, you, so we're all in agreement that we're using this mutual calendar to count the days and everything, but it's centered around Jesus. Since we can't change, that's not going to change. We, we're all recognized and we live in this society. This is why sometimes you'll see the year 2022 CE and BCE, because CE refers to common era, it's the commons calendar that we're using, but it's no longer sort of stuffing in the face of 2022 in the year of our Lord. I thought it was Christian era. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice, very nice. I'm pretty sure. One of the things, though, that you refer to the old Bible or old Testament. Uh-huh. One of the points I like to make, in, at least from kids and stuff, is that it's not old. It refers to outdated or right. longer abuse. Right. It's the older testament. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And pertinent even to the New Testament. So that is one of the things that try to clarify is it's not mm-hmm. old. It's and listen, I want to be clear that I'm not coming into your home and your place of worship and recommending that you stop referring to the way you do. That's You guys do you, and that's great. Um, I'm just giving you um, recommendations that when in dialogue with Jews or in their context, you it would be um, a bit lack of understanding to refer to said Bible in that way. My suggestion would be the Jewish Bible or the Christian Bible or... Uh, the Hebrew scriptures and the Christian scriptures, like just ways that so a bit more relatable in that regard. Number nine, um, I don't know how many of you have ever had interactions with Jews, um, uh, but I'm going to make some very broad sweeping generalizations. To an outsider, uh, Jews have a conversational style or a sound that sounds very argumentative, or they're constantly interrupting each other, or they're uh, arguing with each other, and that's that's a um, that's cultural. That's not um, and it, and what I found in uh, um, you know it, it appears from Christians that don't know this uh, culture, it looks rude. Um, it looks, uh, um, but for us, it looks like we're engaged. Um, we speak fast. We um, abruptly shift topics uh, quickly. We have a preference for getting personal quickly with each other um, in dialogue amongst Jews. Um, and so if you have um, not had that experience or ever, you know, not interacted with Jews, that's an observation that I, does, does anyone, but should I show of hands, have any, uh, does this resonate? Reson- okay, so if you, <laughs> I, well, there you go. It's uh, <laughs> 
many Jews. I mean, you can get Italians. To yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've been accused of doing the same with other people because I talk fast and I overlap people. And Absolutely. My son-in-law just goes, I can't deal with you. Gosh, it is cultural, but I would point out, it is cultural, and I would point out that we Jews um, may look like we challenge authority or are disrespectful, but recall that from the beginning, we've been arguing with God, Abraham argued, talked back, um, you know, at Sodom and Gomorrah, um, you know, we, Moses, right, talked back a lot. Um, you know, it's just our style. It's just how we roll. Um, and, uh, and lastly, um, I, I think that it's important to recognize, and this is the one that really um, comes up the most whenever someone makes an appointment and they, they say, uh, hey, Rabbi, I, I, I've read the Bible. Um, I really love it. And I want to learn more about Judaism. Um, and for me, that's like ding, 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 red flag, red flag, red flag. Um, because we Jews are not um, biblical. We are rabbinic Jews. There's a huge difference. In other words, you can't open the older Bible or the Jewish Bible or the whatever Bible and understand what it means to live or do Jewishly in, the, in, in 2022, common era. Because when the temple that the Bible speaks about was destroyed for the second time in the year 70 of the Common Era, the system by which you understand is biblical Judaism should have ceased to exist. Like other cultures and religions that have come and go throughout human history, technically that should have been the end of Judaism. It had a good run. The one thing that Judaism did that was genius a couple hundred years before the destruction of the temple was the growth of the age of the rabbis and the ability to move to the age of um, God gave Torah or the Bible to Moses at Mount Sinai. Moses gave it to the elders. Uh, the elders gave it to the prophets. The prophets gave it uh, to the rabbis, and the rabbis have been teaching it ever since. So the genius is, and I'm going back more than 2,000 years because we know that Jesus was one of those rabbis, was the genius was saying that tradition that is so old and, and, and has authority, oh yeah, we're part of that. We rabbis, the ones who can read and write, and we know, we, we're part of that authority. Because how do you know? Because it says so. How do we, you know what I mean? So in other words, the rabbi, the rabbinic tradition, the age of the rabbis has been, in, has been living for over 2,000 years, uh, 2,200 years. Um, and the rabbi's role is to further reveal the interpretations and the insights of the, of the Bible but the, the Bible was the written law, the written law. So, for example, it says in the book of Exodus that you can't um, light fire on the Sabbath day. 
Well, it doesn't, you know, there's no asterisks, there's no details, you can't clarify any points on that. How do we know what that means? Well, what you need is a rabbi who um, has the oral law. How do we know? Because God told Moses, Moses handed the written law and spoke the oral law, and they passed it to the next generation, and they passed it to the next generation, and that passed it, and now the rabbi's got it, and we can now tell you what we're, if you're looking at a text, a piece of paper, like in our Bible, like if you're looking at the, if you're looking at a text of the Bible, and there's the white paper, and there's the black ink on it, so the written law is the black ink, the Bible, the biblical text, the white on the page is the oral law. And our tradition is understanding all of it together. It's not just text, it's also the white on the page, which is what do you, you know, um, the reason that, that, that you, what, if you can't light fire on Shabbat, can you turn on a light switch? The answer is no, because you're literally opening the electric, uh, uh, what do you call that word? Electric circuit. circuit. Therefore, fire is being made, and that's why Jews can't have light, why Orthodox Jews can't have lights on the Sabbath, because of the original law and how it's been um, distilled through the ages down to today. Does that make? Did I give you? Does, you want, does that make sense? Or? Do you think you would? Would you call that tradition? So, um, um, so we've down. been we've been in the rabbinic tradition for the last two thousand years, um, and the rabbinic tradition hit the Enlightenment, and it was within the rabbinic tradition that Reformed Jews was created, and Orthodox Jews were created, because you have. Um, to this day, you still have chief rabbis of certain areas who are the authority, um, but that's orthodoxy because orthodoxy believes that the Torah or the Bible, Jewish Bible is the word of God, and liberal, reformed, progressive Jews believe that the Bible is inspired by God divinely but written by human beings. And if human beings wrote it, then by definition, it's not perfect because we're not perfect. So if we're not perfect, then there's reasons to understand how the text could have mistakes or errors. It's like a game of telephone. Um, and uh, so that, that right there, all the comments underneath those two things are the difference between reform and orthodoxy. Did that make sense? Yes. This, um, kind of like defining... What part of the first five books of the Bible do you still believe are uh, that God the prophets? Mm -hmm. um, and in our tradition, we can give ourselves a loophole by saying that the laws and commandments in the Old Testament no longer apply to us because we live under uh, the New Testament. Well, didn't Paul give you that way out? I mean, didn't Paul say, throw away that? No, he's, he, he was saying that all of it still counts. All right, maybe I'm mistaken. Okay, so the, the point, the question uh, that you're asking uh, is actually much easier. Um, the first five books are, are what we call the Torah, and the Torah is in our whole, all of it's relevant, all of it is still current. We read the Torah on an annual cycle, Every word of it from, and that holiday is Rosh Hashanah. Um, I'm sorry, that is not correct. Um, the holiday is Simchat Torah, 
the Simchat Torah is a holiday in, in usually around October, where we celebrate having completed reading the book and starting over on page one and doing it again. Not because this year we're looking for a new chapter or a new preface or, or you know, there's something new, but because as you well know, the book isn't different, we are. And therefore, how we engage in the text are going to be different. The way you read the Bible at age 10 and the way you read it at age 40 and the way you read it at age 70, it, that book's still the number one New York Times bestseller because it speaks to everybody at every point in their life differently. Um, but the Jewish Bible, or the Older Testament, uh, as you called it, um, is not just the first five books. It's all the prophets and all the writings, Psalms, um, all of that. So what you call the Old Testament, for us, is the Jewish Bible. But the first five books of the Jewish Bible is the Torah. So this, these words, the Torah, let me see if I can say it right. The Torah is the Bible, but the Bible is not the Torah. Yes, because, right, because one is just the first five books and one refers to the whole thing. And some, yeah, okay. See you all nodding. Ooh, what? Yes, yes. Great questions. Um, in, in your church. Synagogue. Yep. Um, how much do your uh, church services today not at all nothing right so so thank you for letting me clarify so are everything that what you're referring to as biblical times became null and void when the temple was destroyed the temple that stood in Jerusalem um, is now the same spot that Abraham uh, in chapter 14 the, uh, we call it the Akedah in uh, the binding in English, the binding of Isaac. Sacrifice. This he never actually sacrificed. No, he, so we like to call it. Don't the, spoil it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Newsflash. Spoiling. It. Newsflash. Okay. Um, so the binding of Isaac uh, on that rock um, is the same rock that the mount, the Temple Mount, was built um, when the Temple was destroyed. Um, um, that's the same spot. The Christianity finds to be holy. The Church of Holy Sepulchre is just a little bit off to the left a little bit. Um, and then the Muslims, when they conquered Jerusalem, they built the mosque on top of the temple. So if the Jews in the world wanted to rebuild the temple, we would have World War III because a billion people in this world would find it problematic that you took one of their three holiest sites. So it's impossible, literally impossible, to go back to the biblical way of doing Judaism because the temple has a very large golden mosque on top of it. So that's a problem. So everything, the way that Judaism was understood before the year 70, the biblical times, is null and void. So therefore, how does one... So in other words, here's a great example. In biblical times, they believed that the way they communicated to God was through animal sacrifice or the, or, or the offering of sacrifices upon the altar in Jerusalem. So if you made a small um, oops or, you know, you bring a pigeon, but if you made a big oops, then you brought a cow because the sacrifice of a cow in biblical times, you think about how valuable a cow provides food and milk and that's huge sacrifice. Well, the Hebrew word for sacrifice in Hebrew is korban, and the Hebrew and korban translated to English means to draw near. So the act of communicating with God was through the act of um, sacrifice. So if you put your sacrifice on the altar, 
what happens is it grills, right? And what does it create? It creates smoke. Smoke, they believe in the biblical tradition, is how they communicate to God. So big smoke means big oops uh, that you're atoning for, small, uh, etc. Once the rabbis did, which was creative, they said, oh, the temple's no longer there. We can still make offerings to God through our words. And they invented the liturgy of the prayer book, and that became how we pivoted from the biblical tradition to the rabbinic tradition. I think that's what I was asking. I wanted to know um, how, how do you worship? What, what goes on in the church? Great. Uh, how does... That's top secret. I can't tell you that. Um, <laughs> so so the, the services are modeled after the sacrificial system of the, of the Bible. They took the themes of what we did in biblical times, and we, we created um, prayers over the last 2,000 years. It's been sort of cut and pasted and, and evolved. Um, and every generation, or maybe every two generations, that prayer book has been updated. Um, new prayers, right? One, one generation's... Um, creative inspiration by two generations later has become the way we've always done it. And so, right? So I know, I know you know what I'm talking about. Um, so those prayer books get updated, um, but most Jews don't even realize that the prayer book is a model of the biblical tradition just now through modern interpretive readings um, on those. So uh, a service, you are more than welcome to attend a Shabbat Sabbath service at Friday night at 7 o'clock. Um, down the street, the services are an hour. Um, we ask that the non-Jews please bring two animals um, to be... Remember, see that? You, there's, that's a joke, right? You say, wait a minute, there's no sacrificing. Correct, there's, that's a joke. Um, we, uh, um, Reform Judaism lifts up the prayers through music. So it's a very musical service, um, whereas very, 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 very different than ultra-Orthodox or Chabad, where men and women are separated, there's a big wall down the middle, or women sit up in a higher, up in the, what do you call that part? The, uh, what do you call it? Rafters. The, what did you call it? Balcony. Yeah, they sit in the balcony, and the men are down below, right? So that is not our tradition. We, men and women, are together, um, and... Uh, um, anyone can attend. I would, if you are taking me up seriously on attending, um, this is the insert um, 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 realistic what it's like to live as a Jew in 2022. Almost every synagogue you can no longer just show up to anymore. Um, now, you know, with the attacks and the gunfire and, the, and uh, um, every synagogue now has police at their door. Um, our synagogue, I mean, just, in, just, just in, in the last couple of years, if not the last year, you now have to have your name, you have to call ahead. And you just put your name on the list so that the security guard who's armed at the front door and the first thing that you meet is what it's like to be Jewish in America um, and Europe, for that matter. Um, this is a reality. And so, you know, if you want to come, great. Just let us know in advance so that we put your name on the list. Otherwise, it'll be an awkward conversation um, between you and the security guard. So, um, like going to church, I imagine. Um, not this church. No, church. Um, um, I call it, I call it business casual. Um, I would, I would wear, a, um, I wear khaki pants and a button down tucked in. So, um, we are, 
and I'm getting really specific, but here for my synagogue, we call ourselves West Coast Judaism, as opposed to those who are on the East Coast. Those Jews are a little uh, uptight. Um, so, and frankly, we have the heat. So in the summertime, you're going to see us wearing flip-flops and, and um, much more casual um, for a Friday night service. Now, if you get invited to a bar or bat mitzvah service, then you're dressing up East Coast. I mean, then you're going to look a little nicer and you dress the part. Um, I'd be in a suit myself on Saturday morning, but Friday night, it's like, woohoo, we're just glad you're here. <laughs> right? Right. Um, I, I don't dress up. Right, exactly. Let's, let's take just a five minute break. Uh, you grab some coffee or water or uh, use the restroom, and then we'll give Jeremy just a quick break, and then we'll come back in about Thank you. five minutes. About 7 10. Cool.